Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis. This is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be chatting with Richard Krause. Richard is a trusted Canadian film critic and the host of CTV News Channel's pop culture talk show, Pop Life, and his new web series, In Isolation With. Richard's going to share what steps the entertainment industry is taking to ensure that the show does go on, from revealing Hollywood's roadmap back to the big screen, to how drive-ins are making a comeback and what we need to know when we're corn streaming our favorite shows. It's going to be a great chat. Let's talk now with Richard Krause. Hi, Richard. How are you doing? I'm, I'm happy to be here for you, even if we have to socially distance this. I know, I know. I did something. I, I watched a movie this weekend uh, with um, Daniel Craig, and I thought of you because you had told me a long time ago that Daniel Craig was going to be chosen for the Bond movie, uh, partly because of his performance in Layer Cake. Was that, am I right with that? Yeah. Is my memory right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the movie that kind of pushed him uh, into the into the circle with all the other actors that they were thinking about. Because before that, he had made kind of art house films uh, that hadn't really mm-hmm. shown that he could carry an action movie. So Lair Cape was the one, I think, that really did it. And did you like it? I liked it. Mm. That's it. I didn't love, but I liked it because I liked him. I found him really, uh, really interesting in that film. So much to talk to you about this. Since productions have been really shut down since March, what are they doing in the industry? How are they planning? How are they restarting? What have you heard? Well, the only people that are still really actively uh, working right now are writers because they can socially distance. Mm -hmm. They can do the kind of thing that we're doing right now, be in our own homes, uh, and still have these group meetings. So it's kind of like a writer's room that you would have on any big television show, uh, except that you're not physically present with one another. So writers are still writing. And then producers are trying to figure out what's going to happen. How do we shoot things? Do we use what they call forced perspective to have people standing six or eight feet apart, but you shoot it in kind of a tricky way so it makes it look like they're standing close together? Do you have uh, no crowd scenes? Do we start to shoot things like uh, we have shot and have seen the way that video games are shot, where all the sets are virtual uh, and you do just a lot more computer-generated trickery uh, to make it look like uh, people are standing close together or interacting? And I don't think you're going to see many kissing scenes uh, in the next little Mm -hmm. while uh, in anything that is shot uh, whenever they start shooting again in in a couple of months, hopefully. Uh, through to like six or eight months after that, don't go for romances because I don't think you're going to see many of them. You know, I thought about when uh, I can't remember the name of the film, but it was the Coliseum. Come on, who's the guy uh, from Australia? Oh, uh, Russell Crowe. That's right. When they did the Gladiator. Coliseum signs, the, the CGI Gladiator. Thank you. Couldn't think of it. All the CGI. That's how they did the crowd scenes, and it was so funny knowing I was mm-hmm. going to speak to you. I thought. They're going to have to go back to that, I think, a little bit. That was kind of new and different, but that's the way they're going to have to do it. This is really uh, going to change a lot of people's kind of perspective on how to do films. I wonder if it's going to stay that way. What do you think about that? Uh, I I think like anything, uh, once there's a vaccine, you know, a, a year from now, once things start to settle down and a sense of the new normal starts to happen, I would imagine that someone somewhere will go, oh, I think it's safe for actors to kiss again. I think that we can do a scene with more than four people in it. Um, I think that eventually 
all of this will come uh, and settle in a way that won't be radically different from the way it is right now. But I do think that for the next little while, we're in for a very different world of television production and film production. And film production. And, you know, right now you and I are, are broadcasting from our homes because we want to protect other people like our crew. So the crews have to be taken. Uh, certainly they're, they're the backbone of any production. Are there a lot of writers writing about quarantine, do you think? Do you think that the main thing is about oh. quarantine? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that uh, right now there are, I'm hearing that there are some productions that are thinking, well, what if we quarantine everybody? All the camera people, all the writers, everybody, the actors, we put them all in one big house and we shoot. We shoot this way uh, and and no one leaves until the, the production is finished. So we could shoot wow. that way. Um, there is a, a new um, film from Michael Bay being produced by Michael Bay uh, coming soon that it looks to be the first kind of quarantine film. It's called Songbirds and it's a, a, a film that they're still writing apparently, but uh, will be made with use of social distancing and all the things that we've all been doing uh, in real life. They're going to bring onto a film set uh, and see wow. if it's possible to make a show. Mm -hmm. And what? And Michael Bay. What? How do we know? What's it, what's his uh, oh, resume of work? He's the director of all the Transformer movies. He's uh, one of the the biggest uh, selling producers and directors in Hollywood right now. Wow. So he'll know how to do that. Avatar two. They're working on that right now? Yeah, they're still working. I mean, there's Avatar 2, 3, and 4. There, there's a bunch of sequels coming. And over the years, James Cameron has talked to them a great, talked about them a great deal, talked about making them, talked about getting it all together so we can get more Avatar a decade after their first one came out and became such a huge hit. And every time he gets close, something happens. Uh, and right now it's the pandemic, but he is apparently looking wow. uh, to move forward. He is looking to get back to this. But again, those films are such high-tech productions that if you mm -hmm. think of them not so much as a movie, and absolutely they're a movie and there's a story and all that kind of thing, uh, but he'll shoot them, I bet, like video games on virtual sets. Uh, you don't necessarily have actors face-to-face. -face. Uh, again, James Cameron is one of the most inventive filmmakers in terms yes. of creating new technology to suit whatever it is that he's shooting at the time. You know, for Titanic, they came up with new cameras. For uh, Avatar, they created uh, this wild 3D technology. 3D had always existed, but they came up with new different, uh, new and different kinds of cameras to make that movie. Mm -hmm. So uh, if anyone can figure this out, I think it's probably James Cameron. And he's Canadian. We've got to put that there. Yay, Canada. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Tenacity that man has. Okay, a production's at a startup again. So we've talked about Avatar 2. Uh, Manitoba is allowing film and TV production. I understand. Yeah, the, it, it sort of it. These things are all such a, a minute by minute uh, situation. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, Manitoba has said, "Listen, if you're following the rules, if no rules are being broken, uh, let's do this." Because let's not forget how much money film and television production brings into. Uh, a city or a province. Uh, you know, it is a staggering amount of money. Uh, if you have any amount of production happening, I know that Toronto, it's like $2 billion a year that film and television Amazing. brings in here. And that's just this one city. Then at Montreal, Vancouver, you know, uh, everywhere in Manitoba that they're shooting because it's such great uh, scenery. So it's great for Westerns and all kinds of things like that. So, I mean, this is a lot of money on the line. And I think that, uh, 
if you follow the guidelines and if you do it properly, you should be able to shoot, but you have to be creative with it. And that is, I think, moving forward, the people that are going to be successful in the short term uh, until we, you know, figured out this in its entirety are going to be the people that are willing to take risks, that are willing to be creative, that are willing to do things a little differently and not just uh, sit back and rely on the status quo. Yeah. Well, it really pushed the brakes on everything and the restart's going to be interesting to see. Unfortunately, it's with the pandemic, but it's going to be the time that those creative juices really get flowing and new ways of doing things for sure. So let's talk about TV lineups. You know, that they're always up fronts that we celebrate in the United States in May, in June, we celebrate uh, what's going to happen on CTV and other networks as well. And that's when we showcase, hey, here are the new shows that are going to happen. Yeah. Plus the old shows are back. And, you know, that was always a fun party to go to. Now, what are they looking like? What are the fall lineups really looking like? Yeah, it, well, it's, I, again, there's so many question marks hanging over all of this stuff because, Uh, We're talking about production. We're talking about when we can actually get back uh, to work. So right now, there's probably a bit of a lag. There'll be some shows that will be able to continue. But for instance, uh, Billions, which is a great television show starring Paul Giamatti, uh, they only made it through seven of their 12 episodes uh, before they had to shut down. So there's going to be a number of shows, I think, that were meant to come back in the fall, that we're only going to have two or three episodes of, and then we'll have Mm -hmm. to see what happens. I would guess that the streaming services, and we've seen a little bit of this so far on Netflix, for instance, um, they're repurposing uh, uh, shows that are produced in other countries. They are dubbing them into English. They are subtitling them and uh, creating uh, a new sort of revenue stream for those shows, but also constantly feeding this streaming beast. We're all at home, probably, many Mm -hmm. of us a lot more than we have been uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. And we want to be entertained. There has to be a constant stream of of stuff flowing into our homes. So start to look Mm -hmm. for uh, some shows from other countries coming in and and repurposed for for our purposes. Um, And then I think you're going to start to see uh, award shows, because as we get into September, October, into the fall, uh, you've got the Country Music Awards, you've got the Emmys, the, the Grammys, or all mm. these things. They're going to look completely different. Uh, but I do think that you're going to mm-hmm. find that they are uh, looking for ways to create these kind of event moments. And then the big question is sports. What happens with sports? I mean, sports is such uh, a huge uh, profit uh, generator for the networks, but also mm-hmm. just in people love watching football and hockey and, and baseball. So what happens there? Uh, do uh, teams play in empty stadiums and, and it's shot for television? I don't know if it will be the same experience, but these are some of the things that I'm hearing that people are thinking about. Well, you know, I'm a big NFL fan, and I will say one of the Philadelphia Eagles mentioned today, why don't we put microphones on everybody, even though we won't have fans in the in the stands? And I thought, man, you got that's, are you kidding me? <laughs> not for children. Not for children. No, not for children. Everyone could zoom in, I suppose, but imagine being the, the bleeper, the person with the bleeper button yeah. on that job. See, it, uh, yeah, there'd be, it would be like having a bad connection, right? It would be like that. That's so right. things are uh, th- things would be unraveling for a while. Now, I want to go back to, you know, we were talking about the fall lineup and um, those shows that have been around for a long time, I think will stay on for uh, a little while longer. Uh, I just have a couple of things that just popped in my head. 
Uh, I want to talk to you about the Oscars, but I want to talk to you about turning on a, a, a channel just because I was surfing, and they were showing the Y&R from 1983. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, there was very recently a documentary on television about the history of the soap operas and how, uh, you know, at one point they were amongst the most popular television shows anywhere on television. And then reality television kind of started to chip away from their popularity. And now there's just a handful left of the, of the dozens that used to be on television. Um, they are perfect for binge watching. They are a, a continuous story that can hook you. They are geared to keep you coming back over and over and over again. Why no one has started just a streaming service with nothing but you know the edge of night and all those shows that yes. the stories that used to be on in the right. afternoon. Um, I think it would yeah. be brilliant, and I think that people would tune in. It's like when you go over to many years ago, went went over to Italy, and I happened to turn the TV on, and there was. I couldn't understand it because it's an Italian. All the, all the, the reruns of these uh, soap operas, and I, even though I c can't speak the language, I was like, "This is fascinating." So, good idea, Richard Krause. I would watch a Law and Order channel if they had a streaming service with nothing but all the Law and Order series on it. That would that would be everything for me. Okay, even though you know the guest star is the one who did it. I don't care about that. I, I love the music. I love the I love watching the old ones. I'm watching the first season of Law and Order right now. And Cynthia uh, Nixon uh, was on the second episode. And I just love and there's I mean, this is a stupid little thing that I noticed. But as they're bringing her in uh, after yeah. she's been arrested, they said, have you read her her Miranda rights, which, of course, she played Miranda on Sex in the City. So I'm like, this show has it all. Safe. It's got foreshadowing yeah. to what's going to happen to Cynthia Nixon in her career. It's got great stories. Uh -huh. I love it. Uh, I do love watching some old shows and going, hey, isn't that Eric McCormack? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, that yeah, is Eric McCormick before we knew him as Will, Will uh, and Will and Grace. So the pandemic is changing so many things um, and, mm -hmm. and changing how things are created. I want to talk about the Oscars because you were talking about the Emmys and the CMAs and everything that happening in the fall. If there are no movies that are released or very few, that's going to change the dynamic of the Oscars. If, in fact, the Oscars are going to happen, which I think they will, but they may change the time, yeah. the date. Yeah, I think that they're thinking about pushing uh, the Oscars later into the year because right uh -huh. now it's so up in the air what's going to happen. Now, they have said that for right now that movies that debut on streaming services will be eligible. And there's a ton of movies that are uh, playing on streaming services. I'm still reviewing five, six, seven movies a week. Uh, so there's still a lot of stuff that's being released. But so far, other than Trolls World Tour... Scoob, uh, mostly uh, movies for kids uh, that the big studios mm. had originally planned for the for theatrical. They're not releasing the big, big movies on the streaming services, mostly mm -hmm. because you just simply won't make the kind of money that you need to make uh, on a streaming service with a James Bond movie or with one of the Fast yeah. and Furious movies. Or, um, or, you know, or Tom Cruise. Or a Tom Cruise movie. A movie that costs $200 million to make, uh, it's just not worth it to just go direct to streaming. Although, Greyhound, which is the Tom Hanks movie, 
Uh, it's a big World War II epic. He directed it. He stars in it. That has gone to Apple Plus TV. So um, that is an anomaly so far. So far, we're not seeing uh, the big studios really embrace streaming other than for their smaller titles. And so the Oscars could look a lot different this year if, if theaters stay closed, if it's only movies that are from streaming, you aren't going to see these big star-driven uh, films like we're used to seeing on the list of the best pictures. It'll be smaller, maybe more interesting films. I'd be curious, though, because it's easy to see them now. They're streaming. They are mm -hmm. um, on VOD. It's not that expensive to rent them and play them in your house legally, of course. Um, I'd be interested to see what the numbers are if people are... Uh, flocking to them and so maybe hopefully getting a taste for movies yeah. that are just a little bit outside of the mainstream. Last time we spoke, Richard, we talked about a director uh, that was going to come hell or high water, release his movie in July. I believe the movie was The Tenant. Yeah. And uh, this is Christopher Nolan. And there is still talking. Uh, Christopher Nolan is one of the, along with Quentin Tarantino, Guillermo del Toro, and, and, and you know, a few others, uh, is one of the great proponents of the theatrical experience, of seeing movies in a movie theater. Every director wants to see their movie on the big screen. Christopher Nolan, sure. though, takes it to a whole nother level. He uh, talks very eloquently about how it creates a, a community amongst the audience that is sitting there watching uh, this piece of art together. It is, for his money, uh, the, the right picture, the right sound, the right everything, uh, rather than seeing it uh, on, on a home screen. So he is fighting, from what I understand, to have it released on July 17th. I have a feeling that um, we won't know, probably for another few weeks, uh, whether that will happen or not. Uh, and if it does, I think it will be a much different kind of movie-going experience. We'll mm -hmm. be sitting a row apart, probably, from everyone else in the theater. There might be every second seat empty mm -hmm. uh, in the mm -hmm. theater. So we're looking at a much different kind of situation, I think, uh, even if that gets released. On July 1st, there is a movie scheduled with Russell Crowe called Unhinged. Uh, that is uh, got a, the go-ahead for release, and I think that is like a like a, a, a sacrifice to the movie gods, just to see if anyone will go to the theater and see mm. uh, if people will line up to see a movie and go and sit and what the experience is like. I remember seeing on CTV News uh, over the last ten days a theater somewhere in Europe because they're reopening, of course. And mm -hmm. taking out seats. This is an old theater, not not one of the new ones. An old theater, and there'd be a crisscross two seats, then a big space, and then some more. They actually yeah. lifted the carpet, which probably needed to be replaced anyway. Lifted the carpet, <laughs> <laughs> and they made the the chairs. They staggered them and they measured them. And I thought, well, you know, it's it's not going to have full capacity, but you still get that theater experience as you do with a drive-in, making a comeback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, drive-ins are making a comeback. And, 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 well, you know, I think it's fantastic. Uh, the drive-in experience is a unique one. But I think that there's a lot of opportunities here to do interesting things with the drive-in. So in Europe, they're having live music at drive-ins. You, uh, the, the band can socially distance. Most of these screens are very large. Uh, they have little mm -hmm. stages that are, are big enough so you can have a band and every member can stand six feet apart. So... 
you can see some live music. And then one thing that I absolutely love about this is that people don't applaud because they're all sitting in their cars. So they either honk their horn or they put their windshield wipers on like this to show oh, their appreciation that's, that's great. To, the, to the artist. So I think that because <laughs> there's no live music right now, there's no place to go uh, to bars or concert halls, I think right. it would be a, just a blast, a night out at the drive-in. Uh, now, sure. there have to be uh, some security things in place. The, the right. concession stands will likely look very different. In Europe, they're delivering food to the cars and that kind of thing, kind oh. of like the old yeah. like A&W car hops that used to bring food yes. over to you. Yeah. Uh, but, but you go see a band, you play a movie, maybe there's another band in between the two movies, and then you see uh, a double feature. Yeah. It's such a good idea, I think. And I yeah. think it would lift people's spirits a great deal, and I think we could use a little bit of that right now. I think so, too. I just remember when uh, we would go to a drive-in, you know, people would sneak in food, so they probably would pr propose that you do that now. Um, uh, and, yeah, of course, people would hide... Yeah, that, right, and then and they would hide. They would hide people in the trunk. We don't. We don't suggest that you do that. Um, <laughs> let's continue for a little, little bit. I did, I want to say with these drive-ins too, which some of these movies may be released on the big screen as as far as drive-ins concerned. But I just talked to Jim Gaffigan the other day, comedian Jim Gaffigan. He was mm -hmm. just offered uh, a job to go somewhere in New Jersey to a huge drive-in to do his comedy, and he said, you know, I mean, he's thinking about it. Why not? Perfect. I, I, I think that it, comedy is a little rougher, I think, because you you you, know, you won't be able to hear the laughing. Yeah. And, and I think that true. one of the things that's so great in comedy clubs is that you can hear the laughter. One person laughs in the back and then it ripples through the audience. And that is so great. Mm -hmm. uh, but why not? I, you know, we have to learn to reinvent. We have to learn in the short term, at the very least, we have to learn to reinvent. We have to learn to uh, look at all the things that we've done in the past and see if we can just tweak them, turn them on their heads a little bit. Mm -hmm. And doing comedy and driving, sure, why not try it? If anyone can pull it off, would it be one of those guys like uh, Jim Gaffigan or Bill Burr or oh, somebody sure. like that who knows yes. the crowd, even if they're all sitting right. in a car? Yeah. And you know what? It's a great way to test out um, a new um, uh, uh, material, too. I mean, he's going to, he, I think sure. he's going to go for it. The update on the summer blockbuster release schedule, because then I want to talk about your show as well. Uh, Kevin Hart's Fatherhood, Jared Leto's Morbius, Ghostbusters, Uncharted, Peter Rabbit, The Runaway. Boy, those are all films that I've kind of heard about, but I don't know much about. They were supposed to come out this summer. My question to you is, before mm -hmm. we talk about them specifically, which we can or we don't need to do, but it's what's the difference between a summer blockbuster? And then ones that's that is released near Christmas. Tell us why the importance of the two. Well, they're when people are around. You know, in the summer, uh, you you'll take note that the summer blockbusters tend to be what they call tentpoles, these big movies that prop up all the other smaller movies around them. Uh, and there are things like the Avengers movies and that kind of thing, where uh, kids, younger people. Uh, we'll go see them more than once. Uh, they'll line up. They'll dress in costume. It becomes an event. And theater owners love an event. Mm -hmm. You want to have some excitement around the movies that you're showing. And that's what these big summer blockbusters offer. In the Christmas season, it's a little different. But again, people are kind of bustling around, getting ready for Christmas. By the time Christmas Day hits, 
uh, and a lot of movies open on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, if you've had enough of friends and family and running around and wrapping gifts, people go to movies and they go to movies in huge numbers on Christmas Day. Uh, there are different kinds of movies. These are generally speaking the Oscar films, the ones that we'll be hearing about uh, all the way through okay. award season. But the, the principle is the same. It, they, these are movies that uh, will benefit from having people with some extra time on their hands that, that want to be entertained. I got you. That's why like, I can see Wonder Woman, you know, people dressing up as Wonder Woman and going to that event. Yeah. So I get that. So what are you most excited about as far as movies coming out? What is the one or two movies, pick in your brain, that you think this is going to be a good one whenever it is released? Well, we talked about Christopher Nolan's film, Tenet. And this is a movie uh, that will play with the very fabric of time. And that is all I can tell you about the movie because even the actors that are in the film were going to him and saying, what is this about? Like, what is this scene? How does it connect to the others? And he would very patiently explain it to them. And then the next day they would go back and go, what is this about? <laughs> Tell me, help me with this, because he has made a very complicated movie uh, that, that uh, again, plays on a fractured timeline that, that messes around with the very fabric of time. And he's done this before in movies like Memento and, and all sorts of other things. He loves this kind of complicated storytelling, and very few people can pull it off like him. So if there was one movie that I was very excited about, uh, to see in the theaters this year, it would be Tenet. It would be it would that be film because I just have absolutely no idea what to expect from it. Yeah. And then uh, if, if the original schedule about Christmas movies, let's look forward to that, just pretending those other movies aren't not being pushed. What was the movie you were looking forward to? Just because, you know, I like to think about Christmas during the summer. Why not? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, at, at, at Christmas, um, probably... Hmm, what is coming out of Christmas? Uh, because everything's know. just been canceled. So, um, you know, what, right. at, at Christmas, uh, what what I find at Christmas is that you get okay. these movies that, that feel different than the summer blockbusters, and they sort of feed your brain a little bit more. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, I, I gave you a left curve there because, I mean, we used to have that schedule, and when you would come mm -hmm. into the studio online, we would go, okay, here the great, here's the film, here's... Here's the shots of the film. Here's the trailer. And now we get a little bit of the trailer, and it doesn't even say, it just says coming soon, dot, 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 because well, we don't want to know. And I understand why they, they need to do that. Hmm? Yeah, it dates, it, a, a date can make or break a movie on the, day, the, yes. the, the date that it's released. And when they are deciding when a movie will come out, boy, there's a lot of research that goes into this. And they, oh, they look bet. back. At the May first weekend for the last fifteen years, what's done really well on that weekend? What does what does not well? What what do people want to see? Uh, and you'll find that the same kinds of movies come out on the same kinds of weekends every single year. Yes. Uh, yeah, and yeah. they know that Hollywood has been doing this for a long time. The algorithms are in place to let people know, let the studios know uh, what what you know they they can expect. So by the time a movie gets to its Friday night you know, theatrical run, they already know how much mm -hmm. money it's going to make over the weekend by about nine o'clock on Friday night. It's incredible. Wow. They do. Now I do want to say yeah. that viewership has changed a lot. I know doing the morning show on, on Chum radio here in Toronto, 
you know, we usually are on from five to nine. We've pushed up to five to 10 because people mm. are not getting that drive to work, uh, except for our wonderful frontline workers that we, we had to extend that. So very quickly, viewership for TV, because I want to talk to you about pop life and the fact that you are doing this other show in isolation. So, uh, you know, when do you think you're going to be back and what does that look like for you? And really it's kind of tells us what we can look forward to. Yeah, we're discussing right now. Uh, we are coming back. Uh, we stopped in March, and we did uh, the last show that we shot was probably the first week of March, and we had two or three others booked. And by you know, with three shows, that's uh, twelve guests. We had you know a fair amount of, of work yeah. had gone into this, and we had to right. get shuttle it all uh, and and get rid of it. Um, and we haven't shot since then. We're in uh, on what I like to call encore presentations right now. Uh, and yeah, I, I like calling them encore too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we will be back uh, shooting in September and back on the air with all new shows in October. Now, what the show looks like, uh, I'm not exactly sure. That's what we're discussing right now because it's a panel show and we sit very close together and 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 we talk about things and it can get very animated i have a feeling that uh we will be in separate chairs uh do we it, the bar the set is a bar so we might sit at the bar and i would be behind the bar like a bartender i'm, I'm not exactly sure what it will be but we're trying to yeah. figure that out right now yeah that's pop life so it's on hiatus right now due to the pandemic but yep. fingers crossed back in october and then you have uh, shifted to in isolation with. So let's talk about that so people can, can watch you still and uh, see you interview. And let's, let's talk about this show. It's, it's great, by the way. I love your set. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, this is my office. This is my home office. No, but I love what you do, though. It's the fact that you're still doing what you do so well, but you're doing it differently. So tell us about that. Oh, thanks, Marilyn. Well, the show was called In Isolation With, and it came from me sitting here wondering what I was going to do for the next few months. I didn't leave the house at all for about a month. Like, I was inside. Everything was delivered. And so I thought that I needed to do something, and I figured out uh, some, you know, technological hurdles that I had to get over, and I created a web series where I talked to interesting people about what they're doing and how they're handling uh, everything that's going on. So, you know, we talked to Kathy Reichs, uh, who was in South Carolina. Uh, she writes all the Bones books and, and uh, the television show, the long-running television show was based on her work. Uh, we have Steve Earle wow. uh, next week. Um, we've got all kinds of really interesting people. Rob Bryden from a Trip to Greece and all the trip movies, British comedian from his home in London. And so it's been very interesting to talk to people uh, from around the world about uh, what is going on with them right now. And the thing that's amazing about it is that everyone's experience is fairly similar. You know, Anthony Bourdain mm -hmm. used to say that the great thing about travel, the great thing about getting out in the world is that it really creates empathy uh, within you because you realize that no matter where you are in the world, everybody just wants the same thing. Everybody wants a, a place to live, uh, a, a safe environment for their children, food on the table. It doesn't matter what country you're in. That's what people want. And what I have found by going to various countries, 
uh, virtually, of course, and talking to these people, that all of our experiences are very much the same. Everybody wants to see their parents. Everybody wants, uh, you know, a hug from their kids who might not be isolated. Yeah. Everybody yes. wants exactly the same stuff, uh, no matter where you are mm -hmm. in the world. And that, to me, I think is kind of the interesting thing here. And also, I think that in isolation with uh, will be an interesting time capsule two years from now of where we are yes. right here today. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a great point. Richard, where can people follow you, Richard Krauss? Uh, well, you, uh, my website, richardkraus.ca, uh, at Twitter, it's just at Richard Krauss, Facebook, it's all just Richard Krauss all on all the socials. Uh, and then you can find In Isolation With on YouTube and on ctvnews.ca. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's so good to see you. Lots of things to look uh, forward to. That's what I got from this conversation. Thank you, Richard Krause. You know we have to revisit. We have to do another podcast when things uh, start moving again. Thanks, Marilyn. Thank you, Richard. We'll see you soon. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.